0: I have a word for today. It's the word, wow. Because when we experience delight or wonder or gratitude or just what a miracle it is to be alive, uh, that's the kind of word that's just beyond definition. Like, oh, wow. I wonder if we were sitting down together and I asked you what the biggest wow of your life so far has been, what it would be for you. I'm sure you have an amazing story. Uh, I read an amazing story uh, a while ago. A woman named Mona Simpson was a writer uh, trying to eat eat out a living in New York City when she received a phone call and learned that she had a biological brother that she didn't even know existed. Um, He had learned about her and wanted to meet her and it was like something out of uh, a novel that she was trying to write. They met and He said that he was into uh, technology and she said that's kind of interesting because uh, she used a manual typewriter, uh, but she was thinking about buying a computer. And he said it was a good thing that she hadn't gotten a computer yet because he was going to design a computer so insanely beautiful that she would be glad that she waited. And his name was Steve Jobs. Uh, It's a true story. Imagine you woke up one day and you found out that Steve Jobs was your brother. Uh, That actually happened to a woman, Mona Simpson. She was stunned by his words, I'm your brother, uh, but they were not the most stunning words she ever heard from him. And those words would come later on in life and we'll come back to them. Uh, I was thinking, uh, getting ready for this message, what if wow is built into existence. It's built into the universe. It's built into uh, reality. And we're just jaded or old in our spirits or warped by sin. And so we just keep missing it. So many people live like, God hasn't done anything for me lately. My job is dull. My car is old. My hair looks bad. My kids can't get into a good college because Those movie stars and CEOs are cheating. You know, I don't have a spouse, or if I do, I'm pretty sure I have the wrong one. People live as if they have nothing to praise God for. But we live in this universe of light and life that exploded, we're told, from a singularity smaller than the head of a pin in less than a second. And you are alive in it. And this morning, you woke up, and you got another day and your heart is beating and your lungs are breathing and your mind is working and you have a church and you have a God who loves you and you have if you want a savior who died for you and you have if you want a Holy Spirit of God to guide you and you have if you want a purpose in this life and a promise of heaven in the life to come and that's just for starters imagine you woke up and in fact the creator god turns out to be your father who loves you oh wow (laughs) wow right i mean there is a producer of wows Uh, there is a wower and that's god there is a receiver of wows a (laughs) wowee, and that's you and me And when a wow gets directed toward god the word for that in the bible is worship we're actually commanded to practice worship the psalmist put it like this give praise to the lord proclaim his name that is his character and his being make known among the nations what he has done sing to him sing praise to him tell of his wonderful acts glory is his holy name let the hearts of those who seek the lord rejoice oh wow the bible is full of statements and commands like this i want to say a word about this because in our day a lot of people wonder like why like why would god want people to constantly praise him and worship him it seems a little needy doesn't it Like, can you imagine a movie star or a CEO or a politician so egotistical that they just wanted a bunch of people to stand around and tell them how great they are all the time? Like, and people wonder, is God like that? A great thinker, C.S. Lewis, wrote that before he became a believer, this idea of God commanding people to praise him troubled him for those reasons. But then he noticed something about the human spirit anytime we see beauty or excellence or something that is admirable our experience of it is actually incomplete until we're able to express our joy if we just had to uh, say nothing and just kind of sit on our joy it would be unsatisfying joy naturally uh, overflows into praise it just wants to we say to each other and we love this kind of stuff you have to read this book you have to watch this video you have to listen to this song you have to drive down to big sur and see the coast right now like you have to try this food joy inevitably flows over into praise take it one more step now let's say you're a single man just hypothetically (laughs) and the excellence and beauty and goodness you see are in a single woman who do you want to express your praise to the correct answer would be you tell her like you're with a, a close friend and you think this is a wonderful friend this is just an amazing person that i get to do life with you want to tell that friend a parent longs to express delight not just about their children but to their children a lover longs to praise the beloved. We're born primed to praise. We're just that way. And so God delights in it, not because God is needy, not because God is uh, this empty character who has a low self-esteem and you have to have people around him to like prop him up all the time. Quite the contrary. In the ancient world, worship generally involved sacrifice. And often people believe that because that gods needed food we needed sacrifice for them in fact for israel in the ancient mesopotamian world most other creation narratives included the idea that god's created people to raise food to feed them that's what the sacrifices were for of course for the god of israel that's not the case there's actually a line from god in the psalms that i love god says to people if i were hungry i would not tell you like if i had a appetite i have plenty of ways to satisfy it without needing to involve you in other words god is not needy physically or emotionally he delights in our praise because it means we're awake to all of the the gifts to all of the goodness to all of the beauty to all of the wonder of what it is to Uh, to the absolute miracle of just being alive we all have what might be called a kind of wow threshold in other words like the amount of goodness that needs to flow into your life to kind of trigger this kind of delight and some people just go through the day oh wow oh wow, oh wow i mean it's like there's so little to trigger thankfulness and praise in them, a flower, a sunset, a certain kind of food. Other people get old in spirit and jaded and cynical and self-preoccupied and have not said wow for a long time. Everyone has what might be called a worshiping mind and heart, like a tendency toward gratitude and wonder and praise and delight or a non-worshipping mind and heart. The worshiping mind or the worshiping heart is intensely open to joy, always looking for it, very aware of gifts and grateful for them, quite confident in God and very humble in themselves. And so they're experiencing things as undeserved undeserved gifts on a regular basis and they're generally happy. The non-worshipping mind is just the other way, entitled self-preoccupied easily irritated easily discouraged often quite ungrateful about the past often quite anxious and non-expectant about the future c.s lewis noted that people who are growing people who are thriving people who are loving are people who praise the most the people who are stagnant people who are cranky and self-centered praise the least in fact he wrote this Praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. It's a great definition of praise. In the time that's left in this message, I wanna talk about how you and I can get worship right. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth because they're having a hard time getting worship right. And he's writing about the subject of worship. And what I wanna do is put some stakes in the ground today. I just wanna lay out some uh, commitments about worship and invite you to make this commitment in your own life and also invite us together as a church uh, to worship God this way. All right, so here we go. Number one, we will gather with the church to worship our God. Paul says to the church, here's what I want you to do. When you gather for worship, Each of you should should be prepared with something that will be useful for all. So he says, sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. You know what Paul doesn't say? He doesn't say, if you gather for worship. He says, when. He assumes it's going to happen. So if you're a follower of Jesus and if Blue Oaks is your home church, I wanna challenge you to make this commitment. When the church gathers to worship God, I will be there worshiping. I'll find other times to do emails. I'll find other times to crank out more work. When the body gathers to express our devotion to our savior, I will be there. If I'm a parent and I have kids, I will model that for my children. I will make sure they're involved in our elementary and middle school and high school ministry, where they have someone who is pouring the love of God into their lives. I'll make sure they're showing up to meetings in small groups where they're being challenged to grow spiritually. I will make that a priority. The writer of Hebrews says, let us not give up meeting together or gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. I wanna ask you to commit to what might be called a practice. I know a lot of people travel on the weekends at our church. And if you're not traveling, and you wake up in your regular residence and you're tempted to think, I could just stay in my pajamas instead of gathering in person. I wanna tell you, that is not a good idea. Don't give in to that temptation. If your body is home, we want our bodies to gather together. Another statement from the writer of scripture is, God inhabits the praises of his people. The idea here is quite profound although it's quite simple is that like we're able to experience god together in a way that we cannot quite experience him separately and now the reverse is also true you can experience god in solitude in a way that is unique as well Uh, they're both needed but when we gather together someone might come who lost a family member someone might be depressed someone has a medical report that is real serious someone was betrayed maybe they can't even sing the songs that we sing but you can be next to them singing the songs for them you can embrace them you can see them you can pray for them you can love them i think that's one of the main reasons why we gather together there are a lot of ways we can get information disseminated but we gather together to be able to love each other and to love God together. Your worship will encourage another person's spirit. I was talking to someone going through a really deep valley and she said that when she comes to church, her prayer is, God, who can I connect with who needs help today? And I thought that was so beautiful. When you give love to someone else, your own heart gets healing. Your own heart gets hope. The psalmist said this, this is our aim in worship, sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious. And so we're just putting a stake in the ground about worship today. And one of them is this, we will make his praise glorious. Why should we do that? Because he is worth it. He is worth it. He is worth our best praise. When you're dating someone, if you're crazy in love with them, and you say that you're going to meet them at six o'clock, what time do you get there? You either get there at six o'clock or maybe a little even before six o'clock. Worshiping God is not a casual thing. So when we gather, come ready to make his praise glorious. That's what Paul is talking about to the church at Corinth. When you gather, uh, not if, but when, come prepared. Come ready to think about God and to let other people be built up come in a spirit of anticipation. And I know how trivial this may sound, but come on time. Now I know that you may be thinking, you know, well, that's easy for you to say. We have little kids who have to be woke up and fed and cleaned and diapered and changed and car seated and refereed and it is just impossible. And I understand, like to worship well, may mean that you need to give your kids to their grandparents for 10 years or so (laughs) that's part of what grandparents are for Uh, all i'm saying is worship is like life you get out of it what you put into it life is that way worship is that way because god is worthy of our best worship i want to call you to intend to offer him the best and to make his praise glorious because god inhabits the praises of his people it will bless other people and it will bless god all right number two as a church and for each of us individually we will offer god mindful worship we will not allow our minds to go on autopilot as they tend to do And part of what Paul was correcting in Corinth was people were so uh, hungry for ecstatic emotional experiences, which are not necessarily bad, but they were after that so much that their minds were kind of going on autopilot. He said, you should be spiritually free and expressive as you pray, but you should also be thoughtful and mindful when you pray. You should sing with your spirit. The idea is very spirited and expressive singing. And you should also sing with your mind. Worship always begins in the mind because your mind is the only place where you can actually meet with God. If you're gonna meet with God, it will be in and through your mind and through your thoughts. Uh, Your mind is the most important thing about you. And the most important dimension of your mind is what you fix your mind on you can fix it on or focus on anything it's quite an amazing thing about us i love the way taylor swift put it the only interaction you have with reality comes through your mind this is why the mind and what we turn our minds to is key to our lives and actually it wasn't taylor swift who said that it was dallas willard but i get tired of quoting dallas willard all the time so i thought i'd just change it up a little bit maybe taylor swift said that i don't know (laughs) the biggest problem we have with our minds is not the knowledge we lack it's the knowledge we forget this is why a constant synonym in the bible for worship is the word remember i remember your name in the night O lord because i'm prone to forget it like in the night i'm prone to remember a lot of other stuff but not your name remember also your creator in the days of your youth, because in the days of your youth, you're kind of prone to forget that. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not his benefits, because my soul is kind of prone to forget all of those benefits, all of those gifts, all of that goodness. When Jesus instituted the holiest act of worship in the church, communion, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Because we forget worship always begins in the mind so I bring God's goodness and I bring God's patience and I bring God's greatness and I bring God's kindness and I bring his love into my mind sometimes people think worship just means music but music or worship is way more way way more than music Adam and Eve worshiped God way before music had ever been inven- invented invented uh, sometimes people think well Worship means not just music, but it means a certain kind of music. <laughs> what kind of music do you think is God's favorite kind of music? When I was younger, one of the first verses I learned in the Bible was from Psalm 100 uh, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And that's a pretty low bar musically, right? I mean, to make a joyful noise, anyone can do that. And that's all the earth, like all the nations, all the peoples, all the cultures. You know, in a different culture, a joyful noise will sound different to me. You know, but I kind of think God loves all kinds of music because He invented it all. And the reason why we often do use music in worship is that worship begins in the mind. True worship always must begin in the mind, but then it can't just stay there. It spreads into my whole body, including my emotions. To reflect on God, without worshiping uh, is not to reflect on God because he is so wonderful. Let me say that again. To reflect on God without worshiping God is not to reflect on God because he is so wonderful. I got to go to uh, Chicago Bulls basketball game when I was 18 years old uh, at the year that Michael Jordan won his first championship. Uh, And there was a moment in the game where Michael Jordan seemed to carry the entire team on his back. He scored every point on offense for like a a 20 point run. They were playing the Detroit Pistons who were a very rough group at the time. They won the NBA finals for two years uh, prior to that year. And Michael Jordan was getting knocked down by Bill Lambeer just left and right, but he could not be stopped. And everyone in the stadium everyone in the crowd was saying make a joyful noise to michael jordan all the earth like because worship means that we ascribe worth worthy is michael jordan worthy to receive all of our praise you see to worship god is to ascribe worth to god how much worth how worthy is god you are worthy this is a great cry of the entire bible This will be the great cry of eternity. This is what gets expressed in the book of Revelation. You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, every moment, every gift, every bit of wonder, every bit of joy, every bit of beauty, if we only taste a little tiny little bit of it right now. And by your will, they were created and have their being. They keep living just because of you. And so we will worship God with our minds and with our whole beings. We will do this. I will do this. And then number three, we will offer God worship as a way of life and not just an hour a week. And the main problem with worship at Corinth was they were more concerned with having a, a personally satisfying worship experience the big deal there was the gift of tongues this kind of ecstatic prayer language and paul said you know that's great paul did it himself but they were more interested in that than they were actually loving and helping people in other words they disconnected their worship experience from their actual lives and relationships and that's a bad thing there's a very simple uh, counsel from scripture about how to begin to incorporate praise into your constant, ordinary moment to moment, everyday life. The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And everyone can taste, can't they? I broke my jaw when I was younger playing basketball and had to have it wired shut. And I went three weeks without solid food. All I would drink was protein shakes and Jamba juice. And then I realized something, I could taste things like mashed potatoes and gravy by making them uh, like mixing them enough like uh, whipping them up enough that i could drink them through a straw <laughs> i would drink uh, macaroni and cheese juice <laughs> and i gotta tell you it was like wow oh wow like after not eating solid food for a couple of weeks mashed potatoes and gravy tasted so good. You know, it turns out that tasting is not automatic. It turns out that it's not something to which we are entitled to. It's not something that I'm actually in in control of either. It's a gift, taste. It can actually be lost. It can actually uh be developed as well. It can be practiced and stewarded and done with careful attention. And then he says and see You know the sun comes up it did it again the smile of a friend you didn't create that person clothes to wear maybe or food to eat maybe a bed to sleep in maybe other people don't have them because not because i'm more deserving that they are but i can taste and i can see you know you have a job at work maybe uh, that you complain about but you have a job a healthy child maybe you know, you have scripture to make you wise. You have the Holy Spirit to live in you and inspire you and enlighten you. The life and the teachings and the presence of Jesus Christ to be our friend. Taste and see, taste and see, taste and see. It's a gift, but you actually have to practice. And so put, in a, put a stake in the ground now. You have to learn how, you have to wake up, you have to taste and see that the lord is good all right number four in worship we choose joy in worship we choose joy we choose to live with joy Uh, paul was in trouble Uh, paul was in chains paul was facing death when he wrote these words rejoice in the lord occasionally is that what he says rejoice in the lord when something goes your way when you wake up looking terrific when your hair is fabulous, when you get the raise at work, when you win the lottery, rejoice in the Lord always, says Paul, who knows all about suffering and pain and hardship and loss and death. And then just in case someone didn't understand that, he says it again, and I say it again, rejoice. This call to joy from a good and powerful God just runs all throughout scripture let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice you know one day the trees in the fields will clap their hands and i like to be here for that i have told you this so that your joy may be my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete taste and see taste and see taste and see let me ask you this how much does it take like how full does your cup have to be for it to produce joy and delight in you there's a volkswagen commercial that i just love right now because of the little girl laughing and i just want you to see it check this out You know, I was reading in an article this week that said the average four-year-old laughs 300 times a day. The average 40-year-old laughs four times a day. Like what happens to us? Does the world become less beautiful? Like what if children are right? What if existence itself, your life right now, is a god created miracle filled with so much wonder that gratitude and delight could be running through us like the blood in our veins and it's our sin it's our fear it's our lack of faith in god ultimately that makes us old and sad and ungrateful and withered in our spirits maybe that's why jesus said unless you become like little children You will never enter the kingdom of heaven oh wow like you and i are headed for eternal joy you are worthy you are worthy you are worthy just taste and see you and i are headed for eternal joy that is so powerful that the laugh of that little child is just a little glimpse of it i wonder if you've made the choice to become like a child that jesus invites us to part of the deal about worship is we all worship something or someone like to be human makes us inescapable from worship you will devote your ultimate allegiance and your ultimate devotion to something it might be money it might be a job it might be your appearance it might be your reputation you will on purpose or by accident for better or for worse i want to challenge you today to offer your ultimate worship to god because your biggest wow moment like whoever you are and whatever impressive things that you've done it lies before you i mentioned earlier steve jobs most amazing words came later on in life that's what his sister said he was like all human beings uh, a mass of complexities with amazing gifts Um, he could also be a difficult person Uh, he suffered through cancer his biographer writes that he went through 67 nurses to find three he liked. I mean, he was a guy with high standards. When they brought him an oxygen mask, he loved beauty, the beauty of design so much that even though he was deeply sedated, he ripped the oxygen mask off because he said it was too ugly for him to wear. And they had to bring him five options of oxygen masks for him to select one. After he died, his sister Mona, the one from New York, told this story at Stanford Chapel at the memorial service. She said this, at the very end, as his breathing was becoming labored, lying in the bed, his family was gathered around him. He looked at his sister, he looked at his children, uh, he looked at his wife, and Steve Jobs, this amazing life, spoke one last time, and he said this, oh wow, oh wow, oh wow. And then he died. And you know, we don't know what the words mean. Uh, We don't know if he was thinking about what was behind him with that extraordinary life or about what was before him. We don't know if he was being grateful or fearful or if he saw something that no one else around him could see. We just know this, his last words were, oh wow, oh wow, oh wow. What I do know and what Jesus taught is that your ultimate wow lies before you. Your final moment will come, and then the moment after that. And I hope you're ready for that moment. You know, if you've never committed your life fully to Jesus, I wanna invite you to do that today. You know, he lived to teach and show what life with God could be like in a human being. These things I have taught you that my joy may be in you, he said. And then he died uniquely on a cross for the forgiveness of the sins of the human race. And then he rose again for the promise of your hope, yours. And if you want to, you can confess your need for him to forgive you of your sins and to make him your savior and to make him your friend. There is no bigger wow moment for us as a church than when someone does that. In fact, not just us, but Jesus says, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of god over one sinner that repents it's the word of jesus when a sinful human being humbles herself or himself confesses their sin receives forgiveness makes jesus their friend and forgiver forever and crosses over from death to life all of heaven says oh wow oh wow oh wow god the father himself says oh wow I wanna invite you to your biggest oh wow moment this day. And in a few weeks after we move into our permanent home, into this place where we are gonna be worshiping together, we're gonna celebrate baptism. And you can email me and let me know if you'd like to be a part of that. We would love to cheer you on. I wanna give you a moment to respond. Uh, In thinking about worship and expressing our hearts to God, I was reading last week about the difference between saying to someone, love you, and saying, I love you. Like, love you is often said as kind of a casual conversation or maybe between casual friends. I had a friend say it to me recently, um, but it wasn't really an intimate statement. I love you is a different category. I love you. I can still remember the day when I actually said those words to Kathy, my wife, for the first time. This week, someone was actually telling me about a time when they were asked, have you ever said, I love you out loud to God? And she said that she had never done that. She's never done that. She never said those words to God out loud. And so she did. And it was like a vulnerable moment. It was kind of an intimate moment. And she said that when she did that, her whole relationship with God changed. I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you, you are worthy. And I wanna give you a chance to say that to him today out loud, I love you, God. So let me pray for you, and then you can sing along with the closing song and say to God, I love you. All right, let me pray for you. God, I pray that you would help us to drive these stakes in the ground when it comes to worship so that we can make your praise glorious as a church and individually, help us to make these commitments that will uh, not only uh, be pleasing to you because your children are gathering to, to worship you, but they will make a difference in our lives. They will begin to change us and they will provide opportunities for us to be your hands and feet to the people in your church. Um, God, would you guide us as we just move right now into a time where uh, we're gonna direct our hearts and our minds to you. And maybe for some of us, we're gonna say these words that we've never said to you for the first time. I pray that they would reflect our heart and our emotions toward you right now. And I ask it in Jesus name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, And We hope to see you on Sunday soon.